Welcome to the California Work Comp Report, a podcast hosted by Arun Curl and Claire Williams, featuring Dr. John Alchemy. Hello, this is the California Work Comp Report, featuring Dr. John Alchemy and Claire Williams, and I'm Arun Curl. We're an educational team covering issues in California workers' compensation, and today we're going to be discussing the PR2 report. Dr. Alchemy, Claire, hello. Hey, hello. All right, so PR2 reports. Dr. Alchemy, uh, what can you tell us about a PR2 report? Who uses a PR2 report? If you're a doctor, when should you use a PR2 report? What is it? Well, a PR2 report is is a treating report. Um, when there's a first injury, there's a doctor's first report. And then the PR2 reports are there to help the uh, provider communicate to the insurance company how the injured worker is responding to treatment and uh, what steps, if any, need to be done next. So, for instance, if I'm following you up and you've just finished some physical therapy, uh, the PR2 report is a supplemental report. It tells the reader, hey, here's, here's how they responded to the treatment. Here's uh, the benefits they had, or maybe here's the side effects they've had, and uh, helps uh, link up the uh, reasons for the next request if there is one. For instance, uh, we had to stop this medication because it had a side effect of a rash. I'm now going to request medication B um, in hopes of helping the pain and obviously not having the side effect of the rash. So it's, it's a time to discuss the benefits of treatment and uh, outline the next steps to go forward for getting that injured worker back to full duty. And is PR2 an acronym for anything the way uh, DFR is for doctor's first report? Um, you know, that's a great question. I don't know that I've ever seen exactly where that PR4 comes from. I've always thought of it as uh, like a progress report or a, uh-huh. a primary treater's report, but, you know, I don't know why it's called two. And, you know, and it's it's a PR2 is always the recheck. So third visit, the fourth visit, the fifth visit, they're all PR2s. Um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure where that uh, comes from in the history of Ford Comp. It's been there a long time. Well, it seems like even if PR doesn't actually stand for progress report, that's a pretty accurate description of how a PR2 report works in a workers' mm-hmm. compensation claim. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's exactly how many PR2 reports, how many follow-up visits are necessary for a given work comp claim? So a lot of it depends on the complexity of the claim and the number of body parts. So sure. if you're in a car accident and you have four or five body parts, why it might take uh, quite a long time to get all those sorted out and treating and getting the person uh, back to a baseline. So I'd say that's the probably the number one is the complexity. Unfortunately, what I what I often see in the system is that people will come in with their first injury, they have three or four body parts, and then kind of the one that's the most problematic is the only one that kind of gets moved forward in the PR2 reports. So, for example, I hurt my neck, my low back, and my small finger in a car accident. And about two or three visits into it, now the notes are just talking about my neck. You know, my other body parts aren't even being mentioned anymore. And it's actually not that uncommon. You know, unfortunately, it might be a time time constraint. It might be, um, you know, the perception of the injured worker and the doctor as to 
you know, what's the most pressing issue and, you know, what do we need to treat right now? Um, and I mention that because what happens then, unfortunately, is the treatment goes on. You're now a couple weeks or months down the road, and then the the other body parts that have not really been addressed, they either start to get worse or the injured worker says, well, you know, my neck is feeling better now, but, you know, my small finger is still a major problem. And then it's almost like you have to start over on the treatment of the small finger, and it really drags the claim out, makes it more complicated, and, uh, you know, is is just sort of confusing. Mm-hmm. And is that something where all the body injured body parts need to be listed in the doctor's first report, and otherwise they don't get brought up in the PR2? Or could the patient, you know, bring them up as the claim goes on and they get added in and that, you know, there's no problems with the insurance company with the fact that now there's new body parts arising? Yeah, so ideally a full inventory should be taken at doctors first and all of the body parts um, should be listed and, you know, an opinion made from the provider whether or not it's, you know, reasonable that the, the story caused these injuries. Um, so. You know, if you have them in the front, it's it's a lot easier to get treatment and care for that body part. Now, if you're trying to add them in after the fact, um, that becomes a little bit more uh, difficult because the insurance company has already been given, you know, that doctor's first, and now it's going to be up to the doctor and or the patient to explain, A, why the symptoms showed up now and not at the time of injury, or B, um, try to document somehow that, well, you know, this was actually there at the doctor's first, but we didn't include it. So um, it's, it's much easier to list everything up front and work with that group of, uh, of injured body parts than trying to add them in. Now, it can be done, um, but it's often, uh, you know, frustrating, confusing. Sometimes, you know, the insurance company wants the injured worker sent out for a second opinion. So... It's, it's much more of an uphill battle trying to add a body party in after the fact for that reason. In the event that a body part does need to be added, is PR2 the place to do it? Would there ever be a case where, uh, you know, let's say I'm a doctor and an injured worker is telling me that they're now experiencing pain in their neck in addition to their shoulder that's related to the injury? Would I ever need to write another doctor's first report, or would I try to add that new neck pain onto the PR2 report the next time I check up on that worker? Well, you know, traditionally the first attempt at getting it included would be a discussion in a PR2. So you would, you know, lay out the reasoning. What's the body part? Why is it coming to light now? How is it, you know, uh, connected to the injury? Uh, is it uh, maybe a compensatory injury? Their back hurt, their, you know, gait was altered, the way they walk, and now, you know, their hips started hurting. Um, if it's one of those, uh, you know, situations. But the PR2 is the place to bring it up. And then the question is, you know, is that going to be compelling enough to let the insurance company or allow the insurance company to add it on? Or is the injured worker going to have to be sent to a second opinion, uh, something we call the Qualified Medical Exam System in California, where an objective second party is selected to hear the story and uh, help out with an opinion whether or not it seems it seems reasonable. 
Um, but getting back to your question, yeah, the PR2 really is the um, uh, the area to have that discussion when you're trying to introduce a new body part for the reasons I mentioned. Got it. And would be would including a new body part also be something where you were to require uh, filling out an RFA? Um, you know, that's a great question. RFA is, is typically uh, for a treatment, you know, request for authorization for a treatment. Um, and that's assuming that the body part has already been accepted. If you're doing something more administratively um, that we want to add a body part, um, that step actually should be done before an RFA for treatment is requested. Uh, sometimes people want to try to move things along, so they'll introduce a new body part and then include an RFA or request for authorization for treatment along with the introduction of that new body part. But um, I haven't really seen that throwing an RFA on top of a new body part really moves that initial decision, are we going to accept this new body part into the claim or not. So, so Dr. Alchemy, let's say that I work for an insurance company and I'm the administrator for a workers' compensation claim, and I'm reviewing a PR2 report that a doctor has sent me. What's the most common error that I am going to be likely to see in that PR2 report? Are there any outstanding problems in how doctors tend to fill these forms out? Well, I I think the biggest uh, problem that I can identify is that when the doctor or the medical provider is writing the PR2, um, that the PR2 does a pretty good job of doing a report of how they're doing, but the information obtained in that report isn't necessarily used to give the reader direction on where we're going next. Um, for instance, uh, I see an injured worker, they've had physical therapy, and I document that their pain is improved. Um, so as a reader of that PR2, I want to know, great, they're feeling better. What's the next step? Are we cutting back on medications? Are we increasing work activities? Um, you know, are they doing better around the home? You know, what kind of uh, steps are we now taking forward to get this claim to resolution? And that's... Um, that's probably the biggest uh, issue I see in uh, PR2s is that, again, they're good at reporting how the patient's doing today, but often they fail to outline the steps forward based on what we've learned at today's visit. Hmm. And speaking of the resolution of the claim, the PR2 is different than the PR4, as we can tell by their different names, but... Can you uh, talk a little bit about the main difference between a PR2 and PR4? Yeah, so the PR4 is is the report that summarizes the claim and tells everyone what the permanent residuals are. For instance, they've gone through all the treatment in the PR2. Um, they've, you know, been compliant. They've done everything that's been asked. And here's what we're left with at the end of the day. So that PR4 um, is expected to be uh, done when there's no uh, further improvement expected. It is an outlining of what the baseline symptoms are going to be going forward for the foreseeable future, usually uh, the next one year. Um, it 
It does require very specific measurements that are different and um, uh, not done in other parts of the uh, reporting process. And then finally, we have to say, well, what is this individual need for medical support going forward? How often do they need to be seen for medications? What's the expectation for therapy? Will surgery be needed in the future? Are they going to need some durable medical equipment like a replacement of a splint or a pain stimulation, a pain stim device or something like that? So it's kind of a comprehensive, here's what we're left with, here's how this story ends, okay, and then this is what we need to now support this patient and keep them at the level of functioning we're able to return them to. So if BR4 report is how the story ends, then a BR2 report is sort of a lead-in to the next chapter. A BR2 is going to emphasize the next steps that need to be taken in terms of medication and treatment and how those treatments are working or not working for that worker. It sounds like that's what doctors need to be emphasizing in the BR2. Yeah, I I always refer to the um, PR2s that lead up to the PR4 is the active um, management of the claim, meaning you're trying things, you're encouraging activity, you're trying to get that person actually better. Um, After that PR4 is done, interestingly enough, you still see the patient back, and and they're still called PR2s, but they happen to be after the PR4. Now, that, that segment of the PR2 reporting process I refer to as future care. Because they've been seen at the PR4, the PR4 has outlined the kind of treatment they're going to need in the future, and now when they come back after that PR4, they're quote-unquote in the future, and they're receiving, you know, that future support. So, you know, you still want to get them better. You want to maintain functionality after that PR4 rating, but the goal is to try to give them as much uh, supportive care so they don't deteriorate or their uh, function isn't lost from where you've been able to get them to. And with this common error of leaving out body parts and leaving out uh, future care that needs to be taken, John, do you have any, like, real hardcore solutions for our listeners to help them, you know, remember to include these important items that are so often left out? Well, yeah, I, I think I do. You know, one of the most common things is that everyone's under time pressure. Um, you know, the providers are under time pressure. The injured workers, uh, you know, need to get back to work or they have another appointment. Um, there's a lot of check-in procedures in the clinic. So really when you're with that patient, the, the uh, open amount of time you have to actually communicate and determine the next course of action is quite small. And it might be as little as uh, 10 minutes. Um, one of the things I try to remind myself of and the providers uh, I work with is don't try to do too much in that small amount because if you try to do too much, you don't do much of it well. And so select exactly what the focus of that day's visit is, how you're going to make that next meaningful determination, but keep everything on the radar screen as far as what the body parts. So, for instance, you might come in today and say, my back is the main thing. It's gotten worse since the last visit. Great. We're going to focus on that. We'll do the exam, and uh, we're going to come up with a treatment plan. 
But then at the next visit, I would like to revisit the, sho- the right shoulder. And, you know, we still have some decisions to make on that, any questions, et cetera. So, so it doesn't seem like an unrealistic amount of work for the provider to do. Um, and I think that the thought um, tends to be of higher quality and the decisions uh, tend to be more impactful when you do it that way. So it sounds like if I'm a provider, the best thing that I can do for composing a killer PRD report is to not only report on the condition of the injured worker at that visit, but have very clear next steps. Yes, absolutely. And I would say one of the bigger challenges for um, larger clinics is when multiple providers are seeing the same patient because if I've never met you before, I have to go through your whole chart, kind of see what kind of um, treatment you've had. I need to come in the room, create some type of rapport, and that all takes time. And uh, unfortunately, when that happens sometimes, the note usually is doing the same, continue present management, you know, follow up three weeks, work restrictions unchanged. So, you know, in, in that type of, of interaction, PR2 note really doesn't move uh, the case forward very effectively. And is that something where, uh, you know, the multiple providers could each receive the other's PR2 and then sort of call one another or, you know, somehow be in communication with one another in order to get the claim to be moved forward quite faster or would that never happen well, in, in a lot of group practices, you know, everyone has access to the same chart, so it all comes down uh-huh. to, you know, how how well are the PR2 um, visits written and structured, and how uh-huh. effectively is the maintenance of that form kept, because all it takes is one person to start leaving off a body part, and then you can kind of see how the, um, how the next person coming in is going to have incomplete information, and then, you know, that can, that can kind of snowball. And pretty soon, you know, a, a three-claim body part that was pretty much on track um, is now focused just on uh, the neck, for instance, and uh, no care or treatment has been given to the other body parts, which ultimately leads to a delay in the claim. Right. Yeah. Well, moral of the story for providers, then, is to make sure that all the body parts are being examined and to keep the reader in mind, whether it's another doctor or the claims administrator or an attorney down the road. That's right. And if your if your treatment recommendations don't make sense to you, the provider, um, you can probably bet that they're not going to make much sense to the reader either. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there any closing comment that you'd like to make on PR2 reports? Um, well, the only thing I'll say is that, you know, the PR2 reports in the active portion of the claim should be turned in um, uh, no more than uh, every six weeks. So you want to see that person about every 45 days. Uh, you can certainly mm-hmm. see them sooner. Um, but, uh, you know, if they're not being seen at that regular interval, um, the reader of the report uh, really needs to question, well, what's happening in this claim? Um, you know, is it time for a rating? Uh, you know, why, why hasn't the patient been seen in follow-up? So um, that's probably my, uh, my closing remarks on that. Great. Thank you. All right. Oh. That was Dr. John Alchemy. 
And this is the California WorkConf report. Today is December 8th, 2014. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the California WorkComp Report. We look forward to next week and continuing our discussion of WorkComp claims in California. Questions or comments? Got a great workers' compensation story to share? Find us on Twitter at RateFast or at rate-fast.com.